1 Peter chapter 1, and it's verses <coughs> 3 to 9, and you can find it on page 1217, 1217 of the Pew Bibles. 1 Peter 1, starting at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honoured when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There was a splendid uh, illustration of what most of us couldn't do as well as they did it when the kids and Caroline, I was very impressed that Caroline could keep the pace going, ran round the church and uh, some of us thought at least, good for them, could we manage the same? And it's woven into the theme that I want us to look at this morning. But first of all, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the clear promises of Scripture that you have spoken, not only about our past, our present, but our future. And help us as we share together from the words of Peter, help us to be encouraged and to be encouragers of others as we look to the future. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're at the end of a series on Sunday mornings which have taken us from Easter right up uh, to the present day on the theme of the resurrection, the vital importance of the resurrection of Jesus. And we've heard talks, some of us have even been in uh, fairly erudite lectures and talks on a Saturday listening to uh, a marvellous speaker from the States stressing the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. And we've seen through all of this that, humanly speaking, it's actually harder to disbelieve the resurrection than to accept it. And the phrase before us today is taken from what we call, and in one form or another say regularly in our services, the Apostles' Creed. Now, it's 
called the Apostles' Creed not because they personally wrote it, but because it helpfully summarizes the teaching of the Apostles that we have in the New Testament. And the phrase today uh, from the Apostles' Creed on our leaflets is this, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, to which we all say, Amen. And in a sense, our series ends here, as indeed does the Apostles' Creed. And uh, next Sunday morning, Clive will be sharing with us on the ascension of Jesus, which is the next historic step in what we believe as Christians. The time when Jesus finally withdrew from human sight here on earth, and he went to reign in glory, and from there he will return one day. And the emphasis through that phrase of the creed and through the 1 Peter passage is this, Jesus rose bodily, and he reigns in glory, and so shall we also rise with transformed bodies and rejoice in his presence forever. Let me read again part of the passage. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded, are guarded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. And no matter how many times we read those words, it's easy to miss the, the huge force of what Peter's saying. As I've already mentioned, he's made the inseparable link between the resurrection of Jesus and your resurrection and mine to be with Jesus forever. And he says, God has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we need almost to pause and think about the unbelievably good news this is. It's totally distinct from anything the people would have heard when Peter first wrote. It's totally distinct from any message in other major religions we have around the world. This is unbelievably good news. So it's small wonder that Peter 
is full of praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to enjoy the experience of a living hope. And this is the important thing to note. Even when our hearts are weighed down with discouragement because of suffering. The way Peter writes reminds us that suffering doesn't go away when we become Christians. There is a sense in which it can even intensify alongside ordinary human suffering, whether we're Christians or not, younger or older, is the fact that we can and often do, more than we realise, suffer because we're Christians. More of that in a moment. But listen to how Peter addresses that challenge. You greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And that word rejoice, and the concept of rejoicing here is, is is a very interesting one. It's unique to the New Testament. It's not used, as far as I can see, anywhere by secular Greek writers of the times. And it signifies something uniquely Christian. Peter's speaking here about a a deep spiritual joy, a rejoicing in God himself, or a rejoicing in what God has done. That's the heart of our joy as Christians. God himself, or the knowledge of what he's done. So Peter reminds us of what God has done, and what it is about God that holds us steady and enables us deep down still to rejoice when we suffer grief in all kinds of trials, when the going gets tough. Verse 4, we have prepared for us, says Peter, an inheritance that can never perish, that can never spoil, neither can it ever fade. Now, some of us... uh, may have some kind of family inheritance due to us. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hands. I don't think there'd be that many of us around here this morning who can say, I'm really looking forward to that day when I inherit that magnificent estate, that marvellous holiday home, uh, that flat in the heart of London. I look around at just in case there might be someone who nods, but I don't see any heads moving in that direction. So it's only a few here on earth who look forward to a really magnificent inheritance. But all of us, all of us who trust firmly in Jesus Christ will one day enjoy our inheritance, yours and mine, of equal worth, It's not that you'll get more or I'll get less. God is faithful and will enjoy that inheritance in the internal city of God, which is our true home. 
We didn't read verse 1, but look at it in 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. Peter's writing to ordinary Christians, people like us, but recognising that they are exiles, scattered all over the place and never truly at home here on earth. I wonder what you think about Basingstoke. I wonder if there are times when you don't feel truly at home here in Basingstoke, but that's not because of Basingstoke. It's not a bad place to live in, is it? And even if you had your, a few smiles there, um, even if you had your dream place to live in, maybe that place that you went on holiday to, maybe where some distant family member lives, and you think, that would be brilliant. But even if you really did live in the place of your dreams here on earth, there would still be times when you feel, as a Christian, deeply frustrated by your earthly circumstances. It comes out a bit uh, at election time, and I hope uh, a number of us will be reading the stuff that the Christian Institute puts out to help us discern as Christians where different political parties really stand, and that obviously ties in to the opportunity to quiz local parliamentary candidates uh, next week. But you see, it's never an easy choice. We often have to make, although we may not phrase it quite like this, uh, the best choice out of not very good options for us as we think and feel and reflect as Christians. And part of the reason is because our true home, where we really belong, is where Jesus lives, and therefore we are, to some extent, all of us exiles here on earth. And we need to remember that when we find it hard to put roots down or things don't work out as well as we'd liked in the place where we live. Now the point that Peter's getting at isn't just to remind us of that fact, which is a kind of cultural reality uh, which we need to come to terms with. Um, he wants to remind us too that as Christians, we do get to enjoy something of the inheritance that one day will fully be ours. We get to enjoy part of it in the here and now. We really do, but we don't get all of it. Let me clarify. Because Jesus died, you and I can rejoice in the fact of our sins being forgiven. Because Jesus Christ died, we look to the cross and discover that God is loving, God is merciful, God is just, that there is real hope for us in the cross. The cross declares, for example, victory over Satan. We can confidently resist his lies. 
But, however great this news is, in the best sense possible, there is much more to come. All these good things to come are tied up, says Peter, in our new birth to a living hope. Our future is secure. Our spirits are renewed. But our bodies are not. Remember what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. That's the inheritance we've already got. It's secure. We are renewed and we are being renewed by the work of the Holy Spirit within us. But our our heavenly bodies haven't yet arrived. All of what I'm describing is part of the great spiritual reality that gives Peter reason to praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But here on earth, we continue to live in our bodies and we suffer grief in all kinds of trials, Peter reminds us. That was the case then for the Christians to whom he wrote. That's the case for you and me today more than we often care to admit. The new bodies will come but they're part of the inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. And that means, for now, our redemption is incomplete. When we die, or when Christ returns, we don't join him with somehow our old earthly bodies, the people we are here and now, with the bodies we've got sort of patched up to make them look presentable. We join him with new bodies in order to fit in with the new world which is focused on him. And in order to do that, we need to be totally new men and women who will fit in comfortably. It's quite difficult to get this across to children who can still run around the church as they did a little bit earlier, and how we thank God for that. But no doubt, like me, as you get older, you both love your body because it's, it's part of you, but you also get mad at the way it also limits you. I'm reminded of the old Morris Eight that Judy and I owned when we first got married. We loved it dearly. As I recall, we called it Annabelle, any apolo- with apologies to any Annabelles present. But um, that Morris 8 was very special to us. We loved it, but however much we cared for it, it was always letting us down. Uh, I recall I only paid £80 for it in the first place, so I can't really complain. But here's the point. Our new bodies 
will be something like, and this is the top I would aim for, yours may be different, our new bodies will be something like the top of the range Land Rovers that can do anything and get you through any kind of terrain without difficulty. Your preference may be for a Porsche. Well, that's okay by me, but mine isn't. That Land Rover, having seen what they can do, wow, that would be fun. The, the point, I guess, is that we wouldn't really need it. The roads in heaven will be in good condition. <laughs> but our bodies are like the body of Jesus. And in the original, the words that we have in the NIV version, they can never perish, spoil, or fade, are imperishable. The new bodies will no longer be subject to decay. Just think about that. Undefiled, they're no longer subject to sin. And they're unfading, never to grow dim or to lose their beauty and their glory. That's the force of what Peter's saying, and it's what Paul says with equal clarity in Philippians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, and I'm quoting him. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we await eagerly a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That's your Christian inheritance. That's mine, as we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I do indeed trust that you've done that. Uh, you may be young and fit and vigorous, and I look around and there are a few folk like that in the congregation. Most of them have left uh, to go out there somewhere. But um, we somehow uh, neglect this dimension of our Christian living. You see, it is important that we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Have you done that? It makes all the difference. But here's a final thought that's there in 1 Peter as we look at this chapter. Those new bodies are uniquely guarded for us as part of our inheritance in heaven. Uh, it seems to suggest that they're almost tailor-made for us. We're not clones of some new wonderful reality. We have our own characters, our personalities, just as Jesus was recognisable, so also will we be. And those bodies are uniquely guarded for us as part of our inheritance in heaven. But meanwhile, as verse 5 says, we are uniquely guarded here on earth for them. God's got his grip on your life and mine, and is preparing us for that great day. 
because, of course, although our faith matters, it's when it comes to faith, it's as if God's power energizes and sustains our trust in him, whatever our outward circumstances. But ultimately, it all depends on him. And if our bodies seem somewhat second-rate here on earth, it's almost as if God is deliberately preparing us for managing better bodies hereafter. That's worth a thought. I couldn't find the quote, but I know C.S. Lewis says somewhere, and I'll end with this, he, he says, they give you unimpressive horses to learn to ride on, for if you, let me start again, they give you unimpressive horses to learn to ride on, and only when you are ready for it are you allowed an animal that will gallop and jump. And the vision of heaven that we have through 1 Peter is not one of limitations, but the very opposite. So let's be thankful and let's pray. Father, we do pray that you'll give us grace to reflect on the clear encouragement of Scripture. And we thank you especially for what it tells us today about our future. And help us to be encouragers of one another. Particularly, we pray that those of us who are older and much more conscious of our frailty and our vulnerability, maybe, than once we were. Help us to rejoice in you and in the wonder of what you've already done for us and the promise of what you will do for us. For it's to you we look as we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.